0: Praise Lord, for Thy great plan That we thy dwelling place may be
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called life study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry at the end of the program. We'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoy today's program. The book of Acts records one of the most remarkable personal reversals in all of history. Saul of Tarsus was highly educated, respected, and feared He was the fierce and outstanding persecutor of the early Christians. But in the space of 72 hours, he became the strongest proponent of the one whom he had persecuted. We bring you another look at this most incredible conversion on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Chapter 9 of Acts seems clear enough as it details this famous story of Saul on the road to Damascus. But in the ministry of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, this chapter becomes rich beyond words as we see one significant item after another opened up like finely wrapped presents. And here today to help us peel off the wrappings is Dick Taylor. Dick, welcome back to the program.
2: Thanks very much, Chris. I'm happy to help you peel off these wrappings.
1: Well, Dick, this is our third consecutive program this week concerning this conversion of Saul of Tarsus, a, a famous story. And he was the great persecutor of not just the believers, but as we have seen, of Jesus himself. The revelation conveyed in the Lord's words to Paul was so profound. uh, I think that it warrants some repeating, Dick. What all was Jesus saying to Saul of Tarsus when he showed him just who it was that he was persecuting?
2: We really appreciate this chapter 9 of Acts where... Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. What a precious revelation there, because a lot was realized by Paul. He said, why do you persecute me? We realize at this point in time, Saul, uh, in his conversion time, was not eating or drinking for three days, and he couldn't see. And he was deeply impressed with the fact uh, related to this person who said, "Uh, Why do you persecute me? He began to realize that this me that he was persecuting was not merely the believers of Jesus on the earth, but even the very Jesus who is the head of the believers in the heavens. And that these two, the ascended Jesus and all of his believers on the earth are one great person the wonderful me and this affected Paul for the rest of his ministry his ministry is a ministry which is very strong emphasizing Christ and his body Christ and the church he realized who he was persecuting and got clear that Jesus and all of his believers are one wonderful great person the wonderful me that this Christ had passed through the cross, resurrection, he was ascended, he'd been poured out, and he was living in these believers on the earth whom he was persecuting. Dick, we're
1: going to see today an incredible transition that takes place in a very, very short period of time in the experience of this Saul of Tarsus, who transitions from being this great persecutor, unsaved, though trained and educated, to becoming the significant proponent of this one When Paul spoke, we're going to see today he didn't talk about this or that. He talked about this one. Amen. Let's join Witness Lee.
0: Paul preached in a way that was also quite simple and short. Luke didn't tell us much about his preaching. Mainly, Luke told us that Paul said, This one is the Son of God. Why in this section Roke used the word this one at least uh, twice. This one. Then in verse twenty two, again that this one is the Christ. The first time that this one is the Son of God. The second time that this one is the Christ. This one. It is quite meaningful. Out of the mouth of Saul, this one bears A lot of uh, implications. If you would study the background, and if you would study Paul's uh, experiences on the road to Damascus, you could understand why he used this term, this one. Which one? The one whom I persecuted. This one? The one whom the authority in Jewish religion, opposed and condemned. This one, whom so many crazy ones believed in and followed. This one. You see, he didn't say Jesus. He didn't say Jesus Christ. He didn't say uh, the Nazarene. He didn't say anything but this one. (laughs) Quite interesting. All the audience heard about Jesus. Heard about what was going on. And heard about what he was going to do. He was going to uh, arrest all this one's callers. So this one is <laughs> very strange. This one is number one, the Son of God. And this one, number two, is the Christ. You have the article here. We all have to know that uh, the all-inclusive Christ has all the time two aspects, his person and his work. The son of God surely denotes his person. The person of the Lord Jesus is divine. Jesus, everybody who got to know him, considered him human. The opposers, All the Pharisees, Sadducees, the chief priests, elders, and so forth, they all realized that Jesus was human. But they didn't know that this Jesus, who they considered human, was divine. If by that time you were a Jew there, when you heard, oh, that little Nazarite, he was the son of God, And his source was divine, you'll be mad with this speaker. The audience of Paul was all together opposing this. To them, who can declare that a man is the son of God? This is surely blasphemy. This is top blasphemy to our fathers God. You see, we have to contend for this. We have to fight. We have to do our way with this man. Terry says, do our way with him.
1: Dick, once again, we have a marvelous pattern presented to us for our own preaching of the gospel of Christ. Paul, this time, immediately following his conversion, begins to speak mightily and persuasively about the Lord Jesus. But we really need to take heed to the items that he included in his presentation. He touched the person of Christ and his commission, or his work. What about these two items, Dick?
2: These two items are two wonderful items. Both the person and the commission or the work of Christ are what we need to hear. When he was preaching the gospel right after his conversion, he just kept saying, this one, they all knew who he was talking about, this one, this one, and he'd refer to this one either as the Son of God, that is the one who is divine, the one who is the divine life, the one who gives others the divine life, or he would say, this one, the Christ, that is the one who carries out God's commission and God's work. So his emphasis in his ministry was just the all-inclusive Christ, including both his person and his work. Saul, immediately after his conversion, his preaching was full of this one. And he didn't focus on insignificant matters, but kept everyone in tune with the all-inclusive Christ. Christ was his center, his content, his focus. He really exalted Christ by exalting his person, that is, the Son of God, the Divine One, who gives life to God's people. And the Christ, who has carried out so many things through his incarnation, his human living, his redemptive work on the cross, his powerful resurrection, his ascension, and his pouring out. And even this Christ who's been poured out as the Spirit is now in us, even as we listen to this broadcast, making home in our heart, saving us with his wonderful life salvation. So Paul's emphasis was tremendous in the fact that he didn't get us carried away or distracted by anything other than this Christ, this one, who is both the very person of God and who is also the one carrying out God's commission and God's work as the Christ.
1: Dick Witness Lee is referring to these verses in the message. We're referring to them in our fellowship. Let's look at a couple of these before we go back to him. This is the Apostle Paul now just 72 hours after his experience on the road to Damascus. We're in uh, chapter 9, verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues that this one is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the one who ravaged those who call upon this name in Jerusalem and came here for this, that he might bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul was all the more empowered, and he confounded the Jews dwelling in Damascus by proving that this one is the Christ. Amen. The person and the work. Let's rejoin Witness Lee, Dick.
0: This Saul, who was branded, but Under his blindness, he got the heavenly vision. He saw the same thing as Peter did in uh, Caesarea Philippi. He saw the same thing. He saw that uh, the Nazarene, by the name of Jesus, was the son of the living God. This is his person, not just human. His person is also divine. He is a human and divine, a divine and human person. He is the God man. Paul didn't stress his humanity because even the opponents all recognized that Jesus was an phantom, was not a demon. Jesus was a Nazareth, he was a man. Everybody of his opponents recognized his humanity, that he was a son of man, but they didn't see that he was the son of God. So they saw, after he turned, the first thing he testified, the first thing he stressed was that Jesus, the man of Nazareth, was the son of God. Ooh. I tell you, this struck the Jewish ears. What it brought me. Do him away. We cannot tolerate to let him exist. The next day, he testified that this one was also the Christ. He was the unique God-anointed and God-appointed one to carry out God's commission, to fulfill God's purpose, to accomplish God's plan, and to perform God's eternal redemption. He is the Christ. As to his person, he is divine. As to his work, he is the very God-anointed and appointed one to carry out Whatsoever God wants to do. In our preaching, we must change all the time these two aspects. We have to learn to build up an emphasis in our preaching that the one we preach is divine. He is the Son of God and His source is altogether divine. And His work is The commission of God's anointed one. We must preach the Son of God and the Christ. If you go back to John, at the end of chapter 20, there it says you have to believe these two items, that Jesus is Christ, and you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God so that you may have the eternal life. You know, in Matthew 26, when the high priest checked the Lord Jesus, tell me, are you the son of God? The high priest was checking out uh, whether Jesus did say he was the son of God. Of course, to the high priest, that was blasphemy. Yet, the Lord Jesus said, yes, yes, I am the son of God. But you will see the son of man. Sitting at the right hand of God. I mean still in heaven. And coming back on the cloud. When he comes back, he will be still the Son of Man. Even at the Apostle John's time, of course, that was the end of the first century, quite a kind of heresy was going on. Saying they don't admit that. Jesus came in the flesh. That was heresy. But today, you know, when we teach, according to Colossians 1.15, that the Lord is the firstborn of all creation. I tell you, today, there's a strong opposition saying that we teach heresy, telling people that the Lord Jesus is the creature. They condemn this. But they don't know when they condemn these, they fall into the category of those in 1st John chapter four. If you don't admit that Jesus is the leading creature, this means you don't admit that Jesus became flesh.
1: Dick, I'd like to come back to this matter of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over the centuries, there's been so much misunderstanding and confusion regarding just what is the proper biblical truth concerning Christ in the flesh and Christ as God and the status of His humanity today. There really are so many aspects. Can you reinforce the word that we've just heard and give us a concise and clear presentation of what the Scripture reveals concerning His marvelous person?
2: I really appreciate, Chris, when Peter first realized who the Lord was Peter said you are the Christ the son of the living God referring to his person and his work as the son of God he is the one who gives life to God's people to make them the many sons of God so he's the living one he's the son of the living God dispensing the very life of God into God's people to make them the many sons of God he is divine some were saying at this time, this, Jesus was just a man, they knew his background, but Paul was making it very clear, this one is the Son of God, this one is divine. He is God, and he is the one who gives the life of God to man. And he also stressed that this one is the Christ, the one who carries out God's commission and the one who carries out the very work of God. And that is to produce the body of Christ for God's expression. Paul's emphasis and the emphasis of this ministry is related to his person and his work. In his person, he's both the Son of God and he is the Son of Man. In his work, concerning his work and commission, he is the anointed and appointed Christ. I'd like to refer to Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64, at his uh, being tried. But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I charge you to swear by the living God to tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said rightly. Nevertheless, I say to you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So even Jesus testified to his person, I am the Christ. I am God's anointed and appointed Messiah. I am also the Son of God, the one who is divine and the one who gives life to God's people. And he made it also clear that in his person, he is the Son of Man. He picked up humanity in incarnation. He carried humanity through death, entered into resurrection, and even ascension. He makes it very clear, I am the Son of Man now. I am the Son of Man then. I will be the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. Eventually, you will see me coming back.
1: Dick, I'd just like to add Witness Lee's word to your own that we just heard. He was both, as Son of God and Son of Man, He was both the Creator and the creature. Right. And though He put off the flesh on the cross, He did not put off His humanity and has that even in glory today.
2: That's right. There's a man in the glory in Colossians 1.15. He's called the firstborn of all creation. To become a man, he was a creature. And that creature now is part of the Godhead. There is a man in the glory. Dick, let's go back to Witness Lee for our conclusion today.
0: Here, Saul, before these 72 hours, he was dead, opposing, the top persecutor. After three days, he became a top preacher. And his preaching was stressing these two points. The Son of God, the Christ. This one, this one is the Son of God. And this one is the Christ. Turn to verse 25. But his disciples, my goodness. Oh, just after 70 hours, this apostle got... Disciples? <laughs> this indicates his preaching was powerful. Amen. Most prevailing. His kind of preaching just caught people. So this prevailing preaching, powerful preaching, stirred up the jealousy of the Jews. The Jews said, what is this? We cannot tolerate. We shouldn't wait. Do him away. He preached that. Prevailingly, and his opposers did everything to arrest him. You know what they did? They even put guards on the gates of the city. Yeah. To watch, so he had no way to escape. He had no way out. And that forced his disciples to make a plot to put him into a basket <laughs> in the night because all the gates were under the guards, there was no way for Paul to get out. So his disciples made a, a plan to escape in the night in a basket. That is not a glorious way. The Lord's sovereignty allowed this way. What a wonder that the Lord worked it out. The Lord turned his top persecutor in a short, I believe, less than one week to such a prevailing preacher. Paul was there in the Lord's Seminary Amen. only 72 hours. Amen. He graduated. He came out not to preach according to psychology. Paul came out to tell people, this one is the Son of God. Amen. This one is the Christ. He God disciples. He is caved. He went to Jerusalem. Not Paul yet. Saul went there. Read verse 26. And when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples and all fear him, not believing that he was a disciple. <laughs> Poor Saul. <laughs> in Damascus, he got disciples already. <laughs> he got some disciples already in Jerusalem. They didn't know a word. Still couldn't believe that this opposer believed. They still feared him. But the sovereignty of the Lord was that there was a son of consolation. You know the name. What name is this? In chapter 4, Barnabas. He was the son of consolation. He took hold of Paul and led him to the apostles and related to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he spoke to him and how in Damascus he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus.
1: Dick, this section shows us something absolutely remarkable. We've talked about it already. In just 72 hours, the arch-opposer Saul of Tarsus has now become a powerful and prevailing preacher of the gospel of Christ. What about four years of seminary, Dick, and advanced theological training?
2: On one hand, he only had a heavenly 72-hour seminary, and it was called the Lord Seminary. But on the other hand, we realize that Paul, and we've heard in other messages recently, that Paul was a trained person, being trained in Roman politics. He was trained in the Greek culture. He was trained in the Hebrew religion. All of this indicates that our training is helpful, but this does not negate the fact that he had a very dynamic conversion, realizing who Christ was, what Christ had done, and that Christ was living today, and that he himself was infusing Paul and charging him to propagate Christ. So Paul became a very prevailing preacher, so prevailing, in his speaking about this one, this Christ, that it produced many disciples. Disciples who are willing to give their all to Christ for the building up of his body and the carrying out of his purpose. We don't want to neglect being trained properly. This does help in our usefulness. But hallelujah for this marvelous 72-hour training directly by the Lord in Paul's incredible conversion. His focus was very prevailing in that it produced disciples, members of the body of Christ.
1: Dick, it's not a small matter that more than half of the books of the New Testament ultimately were added to the Bible by the Lord in the Spirit through this vessel, Paul the Apostle.
2: That's correct.
1: We see an incredible balance here of the value of the previous training that he'd had. These things were not wasted in the Lord's hands. But surely no amount of training, no amount of formal theological education or any kind of education can compare 72 hours of organic infusion by the God of glory.
2: That is exactly right.
1: Dick, thank you once again. Uh, I tell you, I am enjoying this book of Acts immensely.
2: It is a real enjoyment. I agree with you.
1: We hope also that you are. And if you are, I can't tell you how much it would mean to us just to hear from you. Uh, you don't have to call and order a book or any material, uh, even if you're just enjoying the broadcast and would like to pass that on. Please do. We have a toll-free number, one life 543-3788, and we'll get it off to you. Or as I said, if you'd just like to call and leave a comment, uh, we'd love that as well. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry Post Office Box 2121 in Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Dick Taylor today, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.